Hello, and welcome to episode two of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favourites to recommend and discuss. You may wish to listen to the albums yourself before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list of albums on our website, www.modulat.io. On this episode, we will be discussing Burial's new EP, Chems Slash Dolphins, Mirror Guide by Giant Claw, the new Shabaka Hutchings project, Black to the Future, by Sons of Comet, and a fragmented love story written by the Infinite Helix Architect, by Little Snake. My name is Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan. Hello. Cool. So, uh, how's it going? Uh, have you been listening to uh, anything in particular this week that you want to sort of start talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, the last week or so, I've been listening sort of uh i've been sort of as usual i've been listening to a lot of death dynamic shrouds been listening to uh this record that i'd i'd never i didn't really know about it's a um it's a record that's got justin broderick from godflesh on it it's by a project he's involved called techno animal it's the album re-entry and it's this like bizarre two hour long ilbian atmospheric drum and bass monster it's uh yeah that's an album i've been really really into recently i think it's fantastic um what's that's, i'm sorry that's uh, i was sorry that that's that's really um funny because uh, i literally i think i recommended so i think i recommended the same one is that um brotherhood of the bomb uh no no i was listening to re-entry or is that the other one? so brotherhood oh of the sorry bomb. as in that that is the title of it sorry i got you yeah, yeah. Brotherhood of the Bomb, I think, is like the fourth record by them. And ah, okay. uh, Reentry is the second. So, yeah, same, same artist. And yeah, it's a project I hadn't heard until last week. And I I was sort of like, oh, wow, this is this is surely going to be my thing. I listened to it and I was like, yeah, this is this is fantastic. I was really into that. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you got have you got anything that you've been super into recently? Um, yeah, so uh, I've been going back and listening to a whole load of uh, sort of nineties post hardcore stuff nice, um, nice, yeah. that I was I was really into a couple of years ago, and I you know I sort of I drifted into other genres, but um, just coming back to stuff like uh, you know Fugazi and Unwound and Refused, and uh, trying to think who else sort of fits into that. No Means No is a good one. Um, there's so many bands from that era that are just like yeah, know, a, stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's a ridiculous era for like. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's been it's been quite a while for me since I've got back into that as well. I because I saw they they did a they did a reissue of the Fugazi, like oh god, it's like seven songs or ten songs, whatever. Like issue of yeah, it is, yeah. it changes seemingly. But uh, I was like, hmm, I should probably pick that up because that's one of my favorite records from that era. I'm a really big fan of that, and I don't have it mm. so. Yeah, I, I was. I've been thinking about that recently as well, just because you know the reissue. But I mean, sort of going on to that, do you want to move towards uh, what records you want to shout out for this week? Yeah, definitely. So um, uh, I've got two shout outs um, for for this week, and I've got two shout outs for last episode's worth. So uh, uh-huh, okay, slightly cool. older. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that I would I, I probably would have ended up speaking about it if I'd known about them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first one I've got is. Uh, from the artist undo k from hot um okay and the album name is gas get a star um so 
I discovered this because uh, the drummer is uh, Zach Hill. Oh, um, awesome! You know, fam- famously of uh, you know Death Grips and Hammer. Yeah. Uh, and this is a digital hardcore post-industrial um, project that oh. he's uh, he's a part of with some other other people from uh, California. That sounds fantastic. I have um, not heard of this. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this it's up. It's a it's as chaotic as you would expect. Um, okay, yeah. Zach Hill. Is it sort of uh, akin to like his self-titled record, or oh, sorry, not self-titled, the Face Tat record under his own name, or is it more sort yeah, of like kind idolize? Of. Or? I, I guess to compare it to something else, I, I'd say it's um, well, <laughs> you can't really use it's Zach Hill. It's just it's a uh, frenetic drumming uh, meets. Uh, you know the digital hardcore stuff from like um, Atari Teenage Riot, or maybe okay. even like um, oh yeah, maybe even like Machine Girl, that kind of thing. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Machine Girl. I, I've I had seen this this album art floating around actually. Oh yeah, mm. that looks that looks very cool. I mean, to be honest, right, anything Zach Hill involved is gonna get me interested. Just straight from <laughs> straight from going. It's not always good, but it might it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah, no what. yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. I don't love all the stuff he's put out. Uh, you know, I think obviously Death Grips, Hella, and I really like uh, Bygones as well. But the rest mm. of it, maybe not amazing, but it's always going to be something that is going to, it's going to get you off your seat. It's going to get you interested. And, you know, it, uh, I mean, maybe that's almost better in a way than having something that is like, oh, yeah, it's all right. But yeah, mm. I, I, you know, yeah. He's, he's not, he's never going to put out anything really safe. <laughs> that's <always> a, <laughs> yeah absolutely that's always a nice uh feeling to know when you're when you're going into a record knowing that you're not going to get something like really just something derivative or uh, really uninteresting uninteresting yeah. yeah um so uh to go to go on to record i want to shout out is uh a record that i think in pretty much any other week i would have wanted to talk about as a like part of the main discussion which is the new mm-hmm. Ace Tantina record, Karma Winstead. Uh, it's, Ace Tantina is a project that is within sort of the sphere of Vaporwave and stuff, but mel- uh, melds it with uh, more sort of hyperactive electronic music like Footwork and Juke, uh, sort of akin to like uh, Vapor's Polychromatic Compiler or um, Giant Claw's Dark Web. And... I they got um they got fairly well known uh off of last year's Temple of Null, which I thought was like kind of fine. It didn't really mm. it didn't really grab me. I thought like the the Vaporwave parts and sort of like the Duke parts were a bit separated and meld very well. But this um this new record, Common Winstead, I think is phenomenal. I think the way the um the influences meld together here is a lot more natural and I think the atmosphere is fantastic. Um, so I actually uh, got into this a little bit after you told me about it, um, and I, I absolutely love this this uh, this record. Um, uh, I, I was kind of interested uh, in the aesthetic because um, I know uh, Carmen Winstead is um, the name of a creepy pasta. I think yes. where, where yeah. that come from. Um, and also the the front cover of it is this really really kind of distorted PS one era looking um, looking face. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. There's there's clearly a big big aesthetic that goes along with it. That I think um, I think it's quite key to that to that particular project. Um, but the actual yeah, use of sort of dark ambient um, alongside that is really really cool. Yeah, it's one of the the sort of creepiest vaporwave records I've ever heard. 
it's very very ominous very just mm. yeah it's so atmospheric i think that and that really adds to it in helping to sort of meld together the sort of more aggressive electronic music influences with the sort of the vaporwave style synth passages mm. Um, so I've got a, a quick shout out for the artist uh, Ski Mask. Um, the album is uh, Pool. Uh, I saw a lot of uh, hype around um, his last album, Compro, and I never listened to it because I thought his name, his artist's name was really stupid. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I just heard this one on, on a whim. I think I, I saw it linked on a Bandcamp or something and uh, I gave it a listen. I was blown away. I thought it was fantastic. It, it's not, a, you know, I, I think this is one of the safer records um, that we talk about. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it is a techno, I guess, IDM Great uh, kind of stuff. Type stuff. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, haven't, yeah. I haven't heard the new one, but I have heard Compro and I thought it was like, all right, I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. There were a couple tracks on mm. it that I thought were fantastic, but it didn't, it didn't blow me away. But I was hearing a lot about this new one, and I was thinking about checking it out at some point. But I think it's really quite long, so I haven't gone around yes, to it yet. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's about. It's almost two hours. Yeah, um, one hour. But I, I just, I put, I put it on while I was working, and yeah, uh, I yeah. liked it. There's, there's a couple of fantastic songs in there. Um, Testo BC mashup is, uh, is worth a worth a check out for a single. Yeah, that, that definitely seems like the great, great type of music to have on when you're when you're working. That sort of mm. breakbeat ambient techno stuff. It really just like gets you focused. <laughs> so um, yeah, another another quick shout out. Uh, this uh, new, well, not new, but archival release from the late uh, sound artist Roland Kane. He's been uh, he's. Over the last couple of years, or last few months even, there's been a lot of uh, archival stuff that's come out after after he passed away, and a lot of it is absolutely fantastic. There's this new sort of 26-minute uh, electroacoustic piece called Reflects Do Spectral that uh, I've been really into. I think it's fantastic. Uh, his textural work and compositions are just brilliant. I would just, yeah, that's I'd recommend pretty much everything he, he does, to be honest. Nice. Yeah, I'm not, not familiar with him at all, so I'll uh, give, give that a look. Um, uh, another, sh- another shout out. Um, so this is from this week. Um, I, I don't have a chance to pronounce this. Uh, the artist is called Io So Noun Kane. Io So Noun Kane. Um, and the uh, the album is uh, called Ira. Uh, it's a post-industrial album uh, by I believe it's an Italian artist. Right. Um, yes, it is. Um, Jacopo Incani. Um, it's it's just a really, a really cool post-industrial project. Um, it's kind of hard to, to break down in a short amount of time, but it's quite a, quite a creepy thing um, in the sort of the style of the, the Carmen Winstead one, um, where it's quite uh, I don't know, unknowable in ways. Um, okay. Yeah. It's also quite long, so uh, you sort of you, you sort of get lost in some of the, the, uh, the soundscapes there. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really enjoyed it. Awesome, yeah, that sounds really cool. So, as a, lo- a last quick shout out, I wanted to talk about the new record from Samuel Organ, uh, "A Safe Place in Cyberspace." Samuel Organ, he's like he does IDM type stuff. He, but he's also in the Physics House band. Uh, mm, nice. And yeah, this new record, it's sort of IDM, almost art pop as well that it's very it's very atmospheric 
in its presentation and it's got uh it's got a pretty great feature list you've got babby and Sluggerbed on it so oh, nice. uh, yeah definitely definitely worth checking out if you're sort of into uh that kind of yeah just electronic music in general i think it's very palatable and very enjoyable cool and um i got one one last shout out from uh mac homie which was the album pray for haiti um we were not expecting to uh to have to review this one because it didn't come out on the day it was supposed to yeah but it did come out it did come out yesterday um so friday the 21st of may and uh, I think it's um, it's not my favorite album of his, but I do think there's some really great work on the production and the beats. Um, I think his his lyricism is strong, um, as as you'd expect from from him from his work. Yeah, um, it's it's an all around you know very solid uh, abstract hip hop record. Um, yeah, but it's it's not the sort of thing I can commit to loving uh, on just a few lessons. Um, so it needs a little yeah, bit more it, needs, it sort of needs a bit of time to unfurl. For you. Yeah, I, I haven't listened to it yet because obviously it only came out yesterday. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I am a big fan of Mac Homie. And mm. yeah, I, I'll de- that's definitely one I'll be checking out over the weekend, to be honest. Mm. I was uh, was very happy to see uh, see it on uh, streaming. Yes. Um, yeah, I was not I was not expecting that. Um, it looks like a few of his albums are on Spotify now because um, for ages you used to. And um, yeah, for, for anyone who isn't familiar with Macomi, he uh, sort of became a bit notorious for uh, he, he would sell his albums on physical only and yeah. sell them for you know physical hundreds, only releases, of dollars. extremely expensive. Yeah, real like Discogs job. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff you really have to go on SoulSeek to get that you wouldn't really. Be yeah, able to get so. Else. I thought it's interesting because he obviously values his art. You know, he's, he is an artist and he thinks yeah. his art is worth a certain amount that people are paying for it. So yeah. um, no, I have no mean, issue with that. But I, I, I don't God, it, it makes it so hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, as I say, I, I, don't, I don't disparage him at all. But yeah, it, it can be a bit frustrating. <laughs> um, so um, do, do we want to sort of transition into the first major release we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so um, the first release we're going to go into this week is uh, Chems slash Dolphins by Burial. Uh, so this is um, the latest released from, uh, from Burial. It's an EP. Um, it's just two tracks, 21 minutes. Um, so the first track was released a couple of months ago, I think last year, as a single. And yes. then this, this uh, following track, Dolphins, has been dropped a little bit later. Um, and I guess this is probably best described as... I'd say future garage, garage, but um, it leans very heavily on ambient. Yeah, so so I mean, I would pretty comfortably class most of burial stuff as future garage, but. Yeah, th- this is this is very ambient leaning, especially on the second track. But yeah, I mean to be honest, right? I mean this is this is going to be a bit of a hot take coming in. I've always found Burial's uh, music to be very frustrating for me <laughs> because I think maybe it's because it feels as though it's something I should be into more. Because I mean, I I'm someone I grew up in South London, listening to a lot of the dubstep infused club music that he spent his entire career just like riffing on and deconstructing and i'm I'm sort of here now with like a massive love of pretentious 
atmospheric electronic music. So it feels like it should be something that is so my thing and so should just be like made for me. But anytime I, I've tried to get into it, it's never quite clicked for me. I mean, the amount of times I've sat down and listened to Untrue or Rival Dealer in hopes that it like really, really does something for me. Because because of the amount of critical acclaim that Burial has just as an entity, mm. it's almost overwhelming in a sense. Uh, uh, such like a universally beloved artist, it, it, it just it just feels really frustrating. It feels like I'm missing out on something. I don't really know how to explain it, but uh, yeah, it's... <laughs> I I think that's fair. Like um, I uh, for, for for a long time, I um, I didn't really get on with with Barrel's work that much. Um, I enjoyed some of the tracks on Untrue. Um, I, I hadn't really listened to that that much of it. Um, I, I'd listened to a handful of the EPs, um, and it was the uh, the tunes twenty twelve to twenty nineteen compilation that really got me set off, I feel like, um, because, you know, that sort of that took all those those EPs that have been released separately and compiled them into one release where you could just, you know, it was like the intended lesson was to listen to them all back to back. See, that's and, what um, Oh, sorry, Kyrie. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I, that's, I, I'm just, just, just going to say that, um, you know, that, that was sort of where it all clicked for me. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was thinking the same thing when, it, when that dropped. I was like, oh, wow, this seems like a really great point for me to try and get into Burial's discography when that released but then i just never ended up listening to it probably because it was like <laughs> a really long compilation so is, i probably yeah, should very, i very probably long. should go out of my way to do that at some point but i think it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a dedicated thing you have to do to to you know go out of your way to listen to a several hour long compilation of music that on the face of things you're not immediately really into you know <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, I just I just looked it up. It's two and a half hours long. Yeah, um, yeah. Although, in my opinion, you can skip the first four or five tracks. Sure. And uh, okay. just 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 start on like a hide as I come down to it. Is because um, is it the earlier? I, I I think it's chronological. Yeah, it's I was almost about to say, Is it chronological? Because that would make sense if maybe the earlier stuff isn't really. He hasn't really sort of perfected his uh, sonic aesthetic yet, and it's not quite. Yeah, there. yeah. That, that would well, it's just um, I think the earlier songs, if I remember, lean quite heavily onto ambient, um, whereas sure. there's a bit more going on in the later ones. Um, so like Rival Dealer, like, which you, you spoke about, Kindred, Rough Sleeper, um, yeah. Truant, I think were all fantastic. Yeah, um, I mean those are those and, are sort of the classic, the classic EPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so this one is. Um, I mean, everyone had heard Kems already, or everyone you know who was following Burial closely had heard, uh, heard Kems already, yeah. and um, I think the reception for that was pretty positive in general. Um, I think it is an album that um, gets a lot from the lockdown, right? So, like, there's something about the I, what's what's the right word for this? Mythologization is that? That's not a word. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes, like, yes. Um, of of, of rave, rave culture is um, yeah, as in yeah, like, you yeah. know, like pe people missing it so much and, and wanted it back. But um, I think it just inherently gains something from you know people sort of being desperate to to go back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, a lot of Beryl's work is sort of it's a deconstruction of like rave nostalgia. I think is a very yes, good yeah, way yeah. Of, of talking about that. So when you're in a situation where not only can you not get back to sort of the past of what raving was, you you don't even have what it is. You know, there's not even anything now to compare it to. It's just sort of an abstract concept that's floating around in your memory. And I think 
that that kind of uh, that kind of approach, that kind of um, feeling you're trying to evoke in your music will only be strengthened when you when that reference point gets further and further away, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, how did you feel about the uh, the second track? Because I felt like the reception to this was uh, much more negative. I think so, mainly because it's mainly because it's a you know it's an ambient track and it's so, not really yeah <laughs> it's not really it, was, it doesn't feel like a burial track. So I didn't, um, I didn't look, I didn't really hear much about the reception or anything to this before I listened to it. I, because I, I hadn't even listened to Cam's until, until the EP dropped, and uh, I listened to it. I sort of, sort of wrote down how I felt, thought about how I felt about it, and then I looked at sort of uh, the general reception and reviews and stuff, and like my my feelings were almost like entirely opposite, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. Uh, I completely agree. Yeah, so uh, I really, really enjoyed Dolphins, to be honest. It's this nine-minute, very vast ambient piece. I think the, I think it, I think it really plays to what I've always appreciated about his music. And for me, the biggest attraction to what Burial does, at least personally, is how considered he is in how he uses texture in everything he's doing. And mm. I think that really shines through on an ambient-focused sample-based piece like this that's very yeah. tactile and very spatial. And it really delivers on what I really appreciate about uh, how he produces and his sound design and... Yeah, just his vibe in general. And I think that it almost felt like kind of drone or dark ambient influence. There was parts on it around the five-minute mark that really reminded me of uh, a couple of tracks off Death Prod's Occulting Disc, where you, you sort okay. of have these these weird weird synths that sound almost like almost like shooting stars in a way. I don't know how else to describe them. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I really appreciated that. It was something I was not expecting. But I think the atmosphere was phenomenal. I really liked the sample usage. I really liked the texture. Uh, yeah, so, how, I mean, how did you feel about it? Yeah, very very similarly. I, um, I thought it was a really nice um, addition to, to Kemp's. Um, I, I think the two go very well together. And um, I don't know, I guess it's like... It's like uh, the aftermath of the club, right? Of the rave. yeah, yeah, like, exactly, the, the sort of exactly. Nature sounds. I don't know. The, the whole like um, the dolphin spoken sample bit was uh, sort of through, could confuse me a little bit. But, yeah, um, I wasn't. Yeah, sure I, what I thought that the was contrast about. was great. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, to sort of contrast that, I was. I feel like I wasn't as positive on Kems as a lot of people were. Uh, mm. So it's a track that it's pretty you can pretty comfortably split it up into like three distinct parts i would say and in sort of the opening bit there's this very jittery processed vocal sample that i think is really great when it's chopped up but when it's played straight it's a little bit i, I don't think it does enough for me and the mm. the sampled drum loop i think is a little bit too static to really 
keep the this first act going for me. It feels a little bit on rails at times. Uh, yeah. And then it sort of transitions into this this second section where you have these more mechanical textures that add a really nice textural contrast to the the like rave synth chords and synth stabs. And I think the the percussive loops have a lot more punch in this part. And then you have this weird mm. transition towards the end of the song where you have these sort of slippery acid textures and sort of almost tangential top line synths that don't really seem like they're part of the track. And I wasn't really sure what the point of it was, to be honest. But yeah, there were a lot of parts I really liked about it, but it felt kind of stitched together weirdly and it didn't, it was a little disparate and muddled in a way. Like the parts that worked, I thought really worked, but I'm not sure how I felt about it as like a, as like a 12 minute long piece, if that makes sense. Yeah, it is. Um, it is very long, um, but I guess I guess it's sort of in in lieu with a lot of his other work. It's, it tends to sort of sit in that, that uh, time range. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I do. Uh, I did enjoy the second half uh, more. Where it yes, de- definitely. I definitely bit, agree. Um, I I think the first half was, yeah, it was as I say, it's a little bit static. I think would mm. would be the best way I could describe it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think. From the perspective of someone who's not like a massive burial fan, I think this is a pretty good addition to like the the canon in a sense mm-hmm. that I think it allows you to step into like the world he's constructing in a very short amount of time it It spans almost all of what he tries to do in his music over a two track twenty minute e p I think that's fantastic. As I say, I think there are parts of it that are a bit clunky, a bit strangely sequenced. But uh, yeah, I really, really enjoyed Dol- Dolphins. And I thought Kem's had it had its very good moments to it. And mm. yeah, I, th- I think this is this is a good EP. I was definitely a fan of it, but it, it didn't it, it wasn't the release that really, you know, sparked my sparked a love of Burial's music for me, I don't think. <laughs> no, I think that's that's completely fair. Um, so I think now's probably a good time to move on to, uh, to album number two for the week. So uh, take it away. Yeah, so the, the next record uh, we're going to be talking about is the new Giant Claw album, Mirror Guide. So this is, I guess it's like sound collage and experimental electronic with like a hint of vaporwave. Is yeah, that... the uh, the genre the genre I saw described on uh, Rate Your Music was epic collage, which I'd never heard of before. Yeah, not even. Um, but I'll uh, I'll get into that in a in a little bit because I've I've got a nice description of sort of, of where, okay. where that's going. Awesome. So yeah, Giant Claw is the main musical project alias of the multi-talented artist Keith Rankin. He, uh, I mean, he does everything, right? He's the co-founder of the legendary, I would say, underground label Orange Milk Records. 
He's a graphic designer. He does most of the album art for the label. He's worked with Rico Nasty, sort of with the comedian Kelvin Frost. And he's also a a member of the like experimental post vaporwave collective Death Dynamic Shroud, who I absolutely adore. Uh, and he, he worked on their records, I'll Try Living Like This and Heavy Black Heart, which are two of their absolute those, best releases. Those are very, very strong records. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, and th- this this record was the follow-up to uh, Soft Channel, which came out in 2017, so it's been, it's been a couple years. And I was definitely really anticipating this, this record, because I think... I like Soft Channel, maybe not as much as his prior album, uh, Dark Web, which came out in 2014. But since sort of like uh, like COVID and stuff, over that time I got really, really into uh, dark ambient and electroacoustic music, like Bernard mm-hmm. Parmigiani, uh, Karl Heinz Stockhausen, Roland Kane, guys like that. Uh, that was something I got really, really into uh, like a year ago. And... I feel like that's given me a greater appreciation for the direction taken on the last couple of Giant Claw albums, which I maybe mm. didn't like as much as Dark Web, uh, which was a bit more bombastic, a bit more club influenced. And I guess having that new perspective really uh, sort of made me go back to Soft Channel and go, right, okay, I kind of understand what he's doing a bit more here. And it made me like really excited for this new record, Mirror Guide. Uh, so nice, yeah. yeah, what what are your what are your sort of initial thoughts on this record? Um, so I think the the genre thing you mentioned is interesting, um, especially sort of referencing electroacoustic. Because um, so you know, reading directly from radio music, um, despite utilizing the thematic elements of deconstructed club as well as adopting its abrasive sonic palette through its direct concurrence with contemporary post-industrial music. Um, epic collages are not necessarily beat-driven or club-oriented and favor a more sprawling, cinematic approach, which may more accurately resemble genres such as ambient, glitch, noise, uh, nature recordings, or progressive electronic. So right. I think it is interesting that you mentioned electro- electroacoustic because it is that sort of um, that use of uh, glitchy sounds, I, I guess I'd describe it as. Yeah. Um, Whereas not necessarily worrying about you know the beat driven uh, aspect or something like deconstructed club, yeah. And I think you are you are getting a lot of that here. Um, so this is uh, it's quite a difficult album. Um, it's not yeah. the most difficult album we're going to talk about. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, it is it is difficult because um, you're not getting a beat to hook into here. No, um, you are getting you're getting lovely sounds. Um, God forbid the number of sample. You know, like you, you tried to sample clear this thing, it'd be an absolute monster. <laughs> so yeah, I um, mean, like a lot of I would say Keith Rankin's music, there's a lot, not a lot here for your brain to hold on to, in the sense that there's so many sounds and textures being like rapid fire catapulted directly at your brain that yeah, none of them are sort of lasting more than a fraction of a second. There's not. There's not too much for your brain to really like lock in on, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it can be a bit tumultuous at times, definitely. And I, and I think that's why um, the track uh, Disworld stuck out to me so much was because yes. um, I think that is the, ma- I'm not sure if it's the only one, but it's definitely the main track that uses vocal samples. And um, yeah, so, when you so, have, when you have actual human speech to, to hook onto, it's like, I can sort of, I can hear it in my head, whereas 
And like the other sounds, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. You, know, you could have been like so bashing a radiator around. I, I really wanted to talk about the, the instrumental palette and use of vocals on this record because mm. I think this, uh, I mean, I would say Soft Channel kind of lent towards this, but I think this record really sort of marked a divergence in the sound palette that uh, that Keith was using uh, on this record uh, and as opposed to the rest of his discography. And that you have these... The, the vocals are almost like... They're almost non-verbal in a way. They're very hushed and... There's, there's several vocal guests involved throughout the album and the way that the vocal samples are used reminded me a lot of some of the more recent Igloo Ghost material, uh, who's also, I guess, an artist that is maybe taking his sound in a more abstract avant-garde direction of recent. Mm. Uh, and the the sound palette on this is a lot grander. It's a lot more... The, what, there's... Uh, prevalent use of a, a midi cello throughout this record that is not really yeah. seen on pretty much anything else I've heard from him. And I thought that really made for a fantastic almost counterbalance between the really hectic composition and the almost completely serene, almost like uh, a pastiche of serenity it, with regards to the sound palette, right? It was very, it was very, very, well, I mean, it's utopian, very utopian in the sense of uh, utopian virtual music. Uh, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, like uh, James Farrow's Far Side Virtual or uh, Orange Milk's own Eyeliner, right? And, and there's, but there's also this this influence I feel from the sort of more recent uh, artists sort of bringing back progressive electronic music, like One Tricks Point Never or James Ferraro. Those kind of um, that kind of atmosphere I feel like is very present on here. What, but also counterbalanced by this, uh, by this composition style that really reminds me of sort of electroacoustic music, and I mean even music concrete at times. I would say, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can really tell, uh, you can really tell his appreciation for this kind of early electronic music on this album. Because, and so, uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, uh, Orange Milk actually released a sort of career retrospective record from the the late uh, pioneering sound artist Noah Krzyzewski. It's called Reanimator. If you haven't heard it before, ch please check out the track Strategic Defense Initiative. It's amazing uh, early electronic music. And I think the release of that, uh, when it came out, it felt almost like a like a passing of the torch to me from like the right. old guard of this this guy, this guy in like his 70s, 80s releasing this album uh this compilation album on this weird internet label uh and it almost felt yeah like the like the the old guard were passing it on to these 
weird post-internet artists who were continuing to make the same kind of electric, uh, eclectic, uh, avant-garde music, but through a completely different lens, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's um, that's uh, that's really key as well because it's like it sort of speaks to the legacy of both artists, right? So um, yes, you know, you, Keith, Keith Rankin has this huge legacy behind him and all these projects and all this work he's done for. Um, I guess the scene, the community, right? Because yeah, there's, yeah, you know, exactly. There's so, so many artists that he's worked with, um, and so yeah, I think that is that is really uh, key and not not really something I'd considered. Yeah, um, no, exactly. I mean, you know, I think he's got like a bunch of upcoming collaborative albums as well. I think I saw he <laughs> he mentioned he was working on a on a record with Galen Tipton, which I'm very looking forward to. Uh, hopefully, cool. it will be fantastic. But yeah, there were there were a lot of. There were a lot of really interesting reference points I felt myself coming to uh, on this record. And you, you, uh, there was the track Until Mirror on this record that I think really mm. beautifully capitalizes on the sort of serenity inherent in the sound palette he's using by sort of stripping away those compositional layers and sort of creating this sort of more spellbinding ambient piece. It reminded me actually a lot of um, the track uh, Parioso One from uh, Ground Zero's Revolutionary Pekingese right. Opera. Not like in terms of its content, but in terms of how it stuck out in the track list and how it sort of slowed down the record and gave you this moment of beauty inside some inside a record that's that uses this sort of beautiful soundscape, but in a way that's very confusing and. Uh, difficult to difficult to get your head around really yeah i am um, i actually spoke about um that particular track Paris one on a different podcast and we talked about almost it almost being heavenly yes absolutely um, as if like absolutely the 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 preceding chaos had been like a battle or something you know and you died and gone to heaven and this was this was the soundscape that you were that you were approached with and i get that that, that sort of leads me into like um into the uh the aesthetic of this album because the first thing I was drawn to on opening this was the uh, the cover art yes. um, which I think is amazing I, I assume is is it uh, something that Keith Rankin worked on himself so, it was, was so um, my understanding is that he uh, as with I think so my understanding is with the Giant Claw records uh, what he does is he creates a sort of photo collage on Photoshop and then it's sort of then repainted by his partner um, right okay so yeah i think they they actually painted it but he came up with the composition is my is my right, understanding right. so um, um if you're li- if you're listening to this hopefully you can see a little bit of that in the in the cover art for this uh, for this episode but um it's a i guess it's like a a um futuristic looking airplane yes with yes, a, a mysterious hooded figure in the middle yeah um, and um. i got the sense of not knowing whether that was supposed to be threatening or or utopian or you know I, um, I, I, <laughs> I, well I mean I feel like listening to the record I mean the record almost feels like it's playing on off of both right and mm. uh, I think that, that the album art really helps to sort of uh, summarize that in a visual form I, I read a, there's a there's a fantastic interview with Keith Rankin on uh, over at Tone Glow. Uh, we'll try and link that in the description. That I read uh, I read that and he he talks about the mm-hmm. album art 
in in that interview and he was saying about like how this sort of figure so i thought it was um i thought i assumed it was the guy on the cover of one of the doom trip records compilations i don't know if you've heard those uh but yeah this um that's a label they do sort of weird vaporwave uh compilations and there's a on one i think it's part four i believe volume four there's sort of a hooded figure on it but apparently this is based off like uh nazgul from lord of the rings (laughs) (laughs) is what he was saying and yeah it's the interior of an airplane and it's it's a absolutely bizarre album art that i mean even if i hadn't heard of giant claw i think if i saw that sort of scrolling through twitter or something i'd be like i need to listen to this it's very um it's very mesmerizing for sure Mm. um yeah and i mean sort of to to round out my feelings about this record i think it's phenomenal i really really enjoyed this album i think i'm not sure i i'm not sure i immediately i'm drawn to it to the same extent as as dark web which is i mean one of my favorite uh vaporwave adjacent records but i think it's something that will definitely grow with me over time there's so much going on here that I feel like you need to give a few lessons for this thing just to unfurl in your brain. And yeah, I, I, I definitely wanted to sort of echo the comments of uh, the Pitchfork reviewer, Jonathan Williger, in his uh, assessment that this record feels almost like an open world video game. Like there's so <laughs> much to explore and very little of it is directly handed to you as the listener. You almost have to do the work here to try and understand what's going on and piece it together in a way that's satisfying. But if that's something you're willing to do, there's, I mean, there's so much to get out of this album, I feel. Yeah, I think that is something that is lost on a lot of, um, not not music listeners, but I guess people who aren't as interested in music discovery and you know, hopefully might be listening to this because they want to be, um, is like, there is so much more to the album than the music, right? Because yeah, it's, it's absolutely. So to, it's so easy to forget the person making the album and the person, you know, designing the concepts and the person playing the instruments and the person coming up with the cover art. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think this is one of the strongest albums I've ever heard in terms of uh, that sort of wider aesthetic. Yeah, um, it really you know, is so the much total to, to aesthetic package going on here for sure. Um, yeah, and, and similar to you, I absolutely love this. Um, I listened to it about four or five times since it came out, um, sort of yeah, discovering exactly. a little, little bit more each time. Um, I think, uh, yeah, which reminds me, I think um, uh, Deep Cuts, um, Oliver Kemp talked about that when he was talking about Loveless. Um, he talked about how every time he listened to it, he always found something new. And that's yeah. how I felt about this. Yeah, yeah, through. yeah. I, I, I feel exactly the same. And uh, yeah, I mean, Deep Cuts is, is fantastic. Brilliant. Uh, uh, <laughs> shout out to Deep Cuts. Yeah, shout out to Deep Cuts. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so do you, do we want to move on now to the third record? So Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is uh, Black to the Future by Sons of Comets. Um, so Sons of Comets is... A project, uh, I believe, led or spearheaded by um, the artist Shabaka Hutchings, yes, who is a um, saxophonist, I believe, yep. from London. Yep. Um, he is famous for playing in many of the great modern jazz bands or jazz influenced bands, um, including um, he plays with uh, the Comet is Coming, yep. quite notably, yep. as well as Shabaka and the Ancestors, and, yep. and uh, Sons of Comet is the other sort of big one of the three. Mm-hmm. 
So Sons of Comet really came onto my radar when they released their record, uh, Your Queen is a Reptile. Yes, I mean, that um, that album, uh, I think that really phenomenal. turned a lot of people onto them. I think it got massive acclaim. I th- was it nominated for a Mercury Prize, I believe? Oh, it might have been. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pr- pretty big. Um, that was 2018, so that was three years ago. Um, and this is, I guess this is the most recent one on this project since then. So yes. Um, it's sort of the follow-up to that Uh, it's uh, 11 tracks 51 minutes um, I guess best described as Afro jazz yeah yeah Afro jazz spiritual jazz Um, there's uh, elements of sort of Afrobeat in there Um, yeah for sure so um, how were your uh, how were your first impressions coming into this so um, yeah so like you I absolutely adored uh, your queen as a reptile I yeah one of the sort of standout jazz records of uh of the 2010s really i thought and uh sons of kemet are definitely my favorite of the of the bands um sort of led by uh shabaka hutchings and yeah th- this this record uh i think took sons of kemet in a direction that in some ways i really liked and in some ways i thought was maybe a little bit uh, pedestrian I would say so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the sort of increase in prevalence of vocal guests on this record uh, yeah that was that was a big big thing for me as well um more mother in particular yeah I mean uh, I cannot get enough of uh, her work right now I think her collaborations are yeah um, more mother put out two of my favorite albums of last year uh Circuit City is fantastic, and Brass with yeah. Billy Woods. It was, <laughs> I think, in my top five records of last year. I yeah, I'm exactly the same album. on both of them. I am. Um, I linked Circuit City to a couple of friends, and uh, who who aren't usually into that sort of thing, and they they even they you know enjoyed it, um, even if it was quite a lot. And so, uh, um, really amazing to have uh, to have her sort of collaborating on this. One. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and she she works with so many people, right? there's so many mm. collaborative works she's involved with at, at sort of all times and i so we have um also uh the poet joshua idahan returning on the opening and closing tracks he was also on mm-hmm. ukrainian's reptile and then also we have um we also have more vocal guests in the form of uh, koji radical and dwe I've been doing my with my phone on silent. Hear no, see no, felt the violence. God got my blessings on autopilot. Why ain't no one tell me peace of mind was pricey? I could dance with the devil, but that's unlikely. My go broke, but that's unlikely. I was born from the mud with the hustle inside me. Born from the mud with the hustle inside me. Uh, which I thought was extremely interesting. I sort of on first glance looking at the track list, seeing seeing a DWE feature on this, uh, the sort of notorious uh, pioneering grime MC. That was like, I was like, wow, okay, they're really really going for something on here. 
And the, I think in an interview, they did say that they really see what they are doing almost as a parallel to to grime music. And I, I really... I really get got that on this album. I really understood what they were trying to say there. I think that's a great comparison. Um, yeah, I, I I hadn't considered that, but uh, now that you've said it, uh, it sort of makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I feel like with with some of I, I guess I guess this this feels like a very uh, London jazz record. Yes, um, yeah. With with those features and with the artists themselves, um, and also with the with the the uh, the music videos that accompanied them. Yes. So uh, the hustle video was hustle the lead single. Yeah. Um, Hustle is the track with Koji Radical, and that that's a fantastic one. And um, they also released yep. a video for Pick Up Your Burning Cross, the, which is the track with More Mother, yep. which which again is a, a really amazing video. I um, I absolutely love the way that was shot, um, and it, is, it fits really nicely with, with sort of what you're hearing as well. Yeah, I I really think the 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 themes of this record in terms of uh, Afrofuturism and sort of the reality of almost like blackness in the current day in like London essentially is mm. uh, I think that they're fantastic. I think that sort of aesthetic components of this album work together phenomenally. Uh, yeah. I think that's the real strong point of this album, especially the, the, uh, the closing track black, the, the sort of spoken word section from Joshua Idehan. I think is really, really uh, moving. It's very powerful. It's talking about sort of blackness as almost, uh, almost personalizing it in a sense of uh, almost like it is a, a distinct thing in and of itself, and what it what it's demanding mm. and what it what it's feeling. And uh, I saw him him write on Twitter in response to the Anthony Fantana review saying about how um, there was a, the specific line that he worked on the most on, on the song was, uh, from gripping the knife edge, you offered on your side the handshake. And I thought that was a really, really fantastic <laughs> image of sort of understanding how, how I guess, blackness exists within the, uh, historically and within... Um, Just in the United Kingdom in within general. Within the United right? Kingdom in general. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think that was a really, really, really great image that sort of stuck with me after listening to this record. Uh, I think, yeah, as I say, I think the aesthetic and thematic components of this this album are probably the best I've heard from them. Mm. To sort of on the flip side of that, though, I think, especially in the first half of this album, it, as I say, it can feel a little bit pedestrian at times. I think sort of uh it's very it's very rhythmic obviously they've got um they have two drummers and uh tuba and saxophone i believe is the is the lineup so obviously it's going to be very rhythmic uh and you sort of have uh shabak hachinks almost filling in a lot of a lot of space that is required to be filled
sort of on his own on the saxophone. And I think when that's utilized well, it's fantastic, especially in sort of the second half of the album where they're going yeah. a bit more experimental with it, a bit more out there. Whereas at some points in the first half, I felt like it was kind of plodding on a little bit. And I think that's a critique I have with a lot of um, contemporary sort of very rhythmic jazz is that sometimes maybe okay you've got it you've got a nice rhythm you've got a nice beat going on but there's almost not quite enough for me to really get sink my teeth into you know yeah yeah absolutely um i found for, for me that switch was around track seven um i i, I absolutely agree I, I that's the exact same track i would say uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, that's sort of a key point to recommend because I'd hate for someone to listen to this and be put off, you know, not not really feel the uh, the first few tracks as much and then stop because <laughs> yeah. the second half is fantastic. Yeah, because as um, I say, I, t- I, I definitely agree that it's stronger. I, I I did I really liked hustle. I liked fuller culture. I like pick up your burning cross, but it didn't really stick with me the same way as as some of the later tracks did. And yeah, I was sort of halfway through and I was maybe a little bit disappointed. Uh, but when I got towards the second half of the album and when I've come back to it, I've been really, really impressed with, with the, the last sort of five tracks. Uh, I think, yeah, they really sort of flex their, their muscles a little bit there. And I, I wanted to see that more here, like sort of more what they did on your crew is a reptile, where they're really showing off what they can do because I, I, I do, I, I really think, uh, Shabak Hutchings is a, is a really great, uh, musician but i i felt very much the same way about um the comet is coming uh especially the records was it trust in the life force or something trust trust in the life force of mystery i think yes that record really felt like there was there wasn't enough going on for me it was very the the beats were very sterile and then you just had some very nice saxophone playing over the top but it didn't feel like enough to me and mm. at points in the first half of the album, I felt like it was slipping towards that territory. I know a lot of people really like that album. I'm not saying it's a bad album. It's maybe just not for me. And I think I, I had this a similar kind of feeling in the first half of this record, but the second half is really, really phenomenal, I think. Yeah, the vocal guests are pretty mind-blowing. Some of the... Uh, and yeah, some of the, the more technical stuff uh, towards the end is is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I am, um, and I, I completely agree on the uh, the other sentiment. So, I've ne- never really felt the the new jazz side of his work, or, or just new jazz no. as much. Um, I could definitely see, you know, I could see why people love it, but um, yeah, I uh, the, the sort of more spiritual um, spiritual side is uh, is where I sort of find more more of the enjoyment. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly, exactly. I, but, um, I did, I did really, really love this album. Um, yeah, same. Here, it's same not, here. it's not my favorite of his works, but uh, you know, it, it's may, maybe with a few more lessons, maybe my second favorite. Yeah, I, I think, um, I think this is probably my second favorite thing he's done, to be honest. But I haven't listened to uh, Wisdom of the Elders, um, which I think is their first album, uh, so I need to oh, go. Back and listen I don't to think that I have listened to that either. Actually, I've, I've heard, I've heard it's really good, uh, so I need to go back and check that one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um so i mean sort of to try and segue on from this i mean it was really interesting because sort of last week uh not last week two weeks ago uh i, I was sort of sitting here thinking uh, after we recorded i was thinking about how there actually weren't too many for me real like album of the year contenders so far this year for me mm. I'd, i i mean i don't know if this is just me personally 
but I didn't feel like there were that many records that really, really stood out as like, okay, at the end of the year, I'm going to be thinking this is this is well up there, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I really liked uh, the Ote Oni records. I really liked uh, the new Pupil Slicer, and I really liked the new Squid. But other than that, there wasn't, weren't too many records that I was really loving. And then sort of this week came along, and there were like four albums. Uh, this this last two week period came along. And there were like four albums that I really really loved. Uh, mm-hmm. That being three of the albums we talked about today, and uh, the uh, A Santina record, and I sort of on a transition into the the last record we want to talk about today, which is uh, the new album from Little Snake called A Fragmented Love Story written by the Infinite Helix Architect. That's such a good name. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Uh, and it really fits in with the artwork of this one as well. Yeah, the, the, the artwork here is fantastic. It's like a weird vapor-wavy type uh, type background with the sort of checkerboard and the clouds and the the Roman statues, but it's sort of all collapsing into a weird singularity. Uh, yeah, I, I really like the the artwork. But yeah, so this is this is a this is a record. Um, what would you call this? Glitch. Um, I think epic ep- epic collage isn't a bad one for this one either, but it leans more heavily into the, the deconstructed club side. I'd say. Yeah. Um, I think glitch. I think glitch is definitely a good descriptor for this one. Because well. yeah, I, I would call this like glitch, and I would say bass music, but that's a bit too general. I mean, there's a there's a lot being drawn on here, so um, I feel like before I really get into this, I w- kind of want to preface uh, that I'm gonna I'm gonna start really sort of raving about this because this is a this is an album I absolutely adored, and I know uh, I know you didn't get uh, a lot of time to really get into this one, and it's quite dense. So yes, it is. Yeah, uh, um, I've got I've got a few thoughts on it, but um, okay, uh, <laughs> sure. So I mean, just to, to sort of intro intro the record. Um, Little Snake's a name I'd heard of for a while. I'd often hear them get brought up, like in conversation about like craziest sound design and bass music, like when people talking about like cone sound and noisier and stuff like that. And I, I think I'd heard a couple of the tracks that sort of hovered towards that sort of EDM trap. Uh, halftime type stuff like like cone sound um so it's it's a name i knew but i wasn't super familiar with uh and then i saw on twitter about um the release of this this record on brain feeder records so immediately that's something i'm like okay that's a great label and and then i saw the the feature list and that was what really drew me in so you have you have uh the i mean legendary beat maker producer and uh brain feeder label owner flying lotus he's on two tracks here we have uh Eamon tobin we have uh tutara peak who is formerly of the the duo echel who've made some of my favorite experimental leaning club music over the last couple of years the yoja ep is really really good i can't recommend that enough and also 
we have Sabroy on here, who's uh, two EP releases on Culprit's Open Outlets label. Uh, I mean, it's some of the most batshit off-the-wall halftime I've ever heard. So <laughs> we have a really, really stacked feature list. It's an artist I don't know too much about, but I've heard of. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into this, and I wow, <laughs> wow, I was uh, really really impressed. So before I mean yeah. I go too deeply into it, I mean, what are your thoughts about what you've heard from this record? Yeah, so I um I I got stuck into a couple of the singles, uh, a couple of the earlier tracks, but I didn't I didn't particularly get the chance to listen to the whole thing all the way through. Um, sure. The first thing that that drew my attention after listening to uh, track two, um, Fly, uh, Fallen Angels featuring Flying Lotus, was um, how on earth this artist managed to get Flying Lotus to feature on this <laughs> on this album. Um, yes. Because um, this is some pretty crazy underground experimental uh, shit. And, you know, Flying Lotus is a huge, huge name right now. Um, yes, absolutely. So... I, I, so um, that that drew me in. That's that's always a good sign. Uh, and then, um, especially because um, you know, looking at this artist's back catalogue, it essentially consisted of up to this point four EPs, going back to twenty seventeen. All of them pretty unheard of. Um, yeah. I don't think of all the people you know, j- just looking on um, rate your music and all the people I've got sort of you know um, followed on there. I don't think any of any of them other than you listening to this one had yeah checked out so... those those. Uh, I mean, um, I, I, I would sort of hesitate before using sort of radio music as a guide for that, especially because I always feel like um, bass music and the experimental side of like heavy electronic music is super underrepresented on there. I don't know. I, I yeah, feel like that it, is, it, it no, never that really is gets, gets the, the shine it deserves. But yeah, I mean, you, you are absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, he's not a name that's like, that's really up there when you think uh, of that sort of thing. But it's definitely a name I'd heard around. But again, mm. that's a scene that I'm very into sort of in general. Uh, that's it, um, very it much It struck me as quite so. interesting that, um, that Little Snake was included on the uh, the Brain Feeder X compilation. So yeah. they'd obviously, you know, sort of worked together and, and been aware of each other leading into this. Yeah, um, yeah. But listening into these songs, oh my God, it is absolutely insane how much much is going on. They, earlier when we talked about Giant Claw being difficult, but not the most difficult, this this is yes. what we meant. Um, yeah. This album is is one of the more difficult albums I've ever heard. And that is coming from someone who, you know, is a big fan of uh, Harsh Noise Wall, yeah. um, who is yeah. a big fan of, uh, you know, sort of drone and dark ambient and... Um, and some of the more difficult genres out there, but there's there's so much to unpack on this because it's yeah. layered so everything is layered so densely, <laughs> and everything comes at you so fast. Absolutely. Um, that, but but at the same time, I never felt overwhelmed. I never felt yeah. I never yeah. felt like it lost control of what it was trying to do. Yeah. If maybe I wasn't it, totally sure what it was trying to do. It feels so <laughs> meticulous and considered for how chaotic it is so i mean sort of just to put it out there now uh like i think this album's absolutely magnificent after listening to it once i immediately went out and dropped like 35 quid on the weird like usb edition <laughs> thing that's on on their band camp uh yeah I, th- I honestly think the last time a record blew me away this much was like alex g's house of sugar which came out like two years ago uh right. 
I mean, it's so incredibly my thing. It's it's hard to explain, but I feel like what they're trying to do here is like an attempt to just completely blend up and decimate influences all across bass music, halftime, trap, DMB, but like mixed with sound collage, avant-garde structures, absolutely ludicrous sound design. And then, like, a flashcore level of aggression at points. Mm. Uh, there were some really eccentric and uh, erratic bass design sections that really reminded me of uh, the flashcore producer Quebrus. Uh, rest in peace. He died a couple years ago. I was, uh, I was actually li- literally about to say that. Um, I thought it was really interesting that you brought up the flashcore stuff because uh, I've been, I, I listened to a bit of uh, Quebrus's work recently. Um, and yeah, I def- definitely felt that, that influence there. Yeah, well, I mean, it was interesting. I, I saw um, Lil Snake actually tweeted the other day that they hadn't actually heard of Quebrus and was like, how have I not heard this before? And I was like, I was shocked that that wasn't an influence because it, it really, really reminded me of it. Uh, yeah, so the it's a re- I would say this is a really, truly avant-garde record. It's ludicrous, and it's playing off a sound that I really, really adore. As I said before, I I think some of the first times I really got into, I guess, music that was even, you could even consider like experimental in a way, was uh, listening to like guys like Culprit and Mr. Bill, the sort of IDM side of like dubstep and uh, glitch hop. And that that was my that was my first experience in, in listening to sort of experimental and underground weirdo music. <laughs> And yeah. in this album, so for, for for that to be like an influence on me, so when I'm like 15 or whatever, that's something that just completely blew my mind. I've never heard anything like this. And then now, years later, I listen to this with this album, which is bringing those influences in, riffing off that sound palette, that aesthetic, but doing it to a point where it's genuinely like so experimental, so chaotic uh that that felt really cool to me uh this this album i I was just like this album really overwhelmed me in a sense of like oh my god this is everything like i want (laughs) you know (laughs) uh there are i mean you have like eccentric tempo and sound design change-ups constantly throughout the uh the record there's almost no measure of consistent meter or uh or um uh sort of yeah just a consistent tempo there's nothing there's nothing to hang on to in the sense of a consistent rhythm going throughout the album i think uh Mm. but then you'll have these you have this sort of 
similarly almost serene sound palette sort of drawing a drawing a, a parallel to mirror guide here uh but then it sort of transitions into these apocalyptically heavy drop sections that i mean when i was this first time i was sitting in my room and i was genuinely like on my feet just like laughing like laughing out loud at how ridiculous the whole thing was <laughs> uh yeah i mean you you have these these almost neoclassical sections in the track hang in there where you, you have this this uh, very, very uh, erratic piano section that builds into this, this I, I mean, I, I call it a halftime drop, but like there's no time, you know? There's no, mm. uh, there's no consistent, like, uh, there's no consistent time signature there, but I guess it's half time. I don't know. Uh, there are, there's a part in, uh, part in that record that also um, reminded me of uh, G. Jones' The Ineffable Truth, especially on the, the track In My Head, because, I mean, I could perhaps construe uh, that as like a reference to In Your Head by G. Jones, but uh, both in the name and in the content with the the stuttering piano loop and kitchen sink type production right yeah. uh with a, the sort of off-kilter bass music stuff it really really reminded me of uh, g jones best stuff and i'm not sure if you're familiar with 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 him but uh he makes some uh, of my my favorite obviously. uh sort of like edm trap music and the ineffable right. truth is a, is a fantastic fantastic album and yeah he's definitely more on the experimental side as well he had there's cool. a this track called Time that ha that has these really bizarre sampled breaks. It's almost like there's a really big breakcore influence there in this sort of more mainstream EDM music that I thought is I think is fantastic. That's but, really cool. Yeah, the the there's there's parts of it this that sound like a door metronome experiencing time dilation. There are bits that really remind me of um Culprit's record Colors with these chime-like synths there's a bit with uh, rhythmic tape stops that remind me of culprit's deliverance and i think there are definitely parts on here that are a little bit less intense that help pad out the runtime of the record because this album is 51 minutes and for how intense it is that is maybe a bit much uh right but... yeah yeah and that's that's something i'm looking to sort of I'm going to see a bit more as I get a bit further into it. Yeah, but the, the, there are tracks like Fever Dream and uh, Loophole that are, that are a bit more subdued, like in a relative sense, right? They're, they're a bit more subdued and mm. I think really help pace the record. I, I never felt like it was just complete carnage. I had no idea what was going on. It, it sounded deliberate and it sounded in control it almost like you know this so you're you're sort of in the passenger seat of a car with someone who is just like driving like an absolute maniac but you know they know <laughs> what they're doing like 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 if you're in the passenger seat of a car with like a rally car driver doing the most like insane stuff and you're just like w what is going on here yeah right it's like <laughs> hold, hold your seat and pray <laughs> yeah but it's like you know it's chaos but you, you feel like they know they know what they're doing at all times right 
yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I absolutely adore this record. I will be I will be pretty shocked, to be honest, if this isn't my favorite album that comes out this year. Um, <laughs> honestly, uh, I, as I say, it's been a very long time since I've had a record that I've immediately collect, connected with on such a level. I think it's not for everyone, but definitely almost like tailor-made for me to go absolutely crazy over it. Over it. Uh, this is an absolute mastery of sound design, of the most chaotic, bizarre compositions, and just and also an appreciation for like the club music and stuff that they are like referencing, using as a reference point in terms of their sound palette. And giving you those almost like cloud crowd pleasing like drops and halftime sections without sort of compromising the complete insanity of it all. And I, I that's something I, I really appreciated. That's sweet. Yeah, I'm um, I'm really looking forward to get uh, to, to to getting getting a bit deeper into this one and uh, and seeing how I find it because yeah um, yeah for, for sure for everything you said I mean, I'm very excited. Yeah, it's definitely a record I would I would uh, recommend just listen, sitting down listening to all the way through and just letting your brain just sort of have a complete meltdown where you've got no idea what's going on. And I mean, <laughs> one last thing I did want to mention is I think in sort of this record. I feel like it wasn't just complete carnage in the sense that I felt like there was a real core of sentimentality here as well. That everything felt like it was a complete labor of love and an extreme expression of a thousand jumbled powerful emotions that are just like bouncing across the walls. It didn't feel like some some, some flashcore stuff is made, kind of feels very sterile at times. I don't know if I, I don't know how you feel about that, but sometimes, you know, it can just be like a barrage of textures and you don't really know what's going on. But I think... Yeah. yeah I mean... I, I think so. that there's... It, it's it's obviously very overwhelming, but I feel like there is a real emotional expression here at parts, even if it's hard to, like, dissect. It, it feels like it's there. It feels very passionate and not just, like, cold... In, in the way in which it's just like all over the place. And I, I, I'm not sure whether you were able to get that from what you heard, but that, that's definitely at least my personal feeling about. Yeah, I, I absolutely did. And, uh, and and that is why I'm, I'm so, so looking forward to it. Um, yeah. I've only listened to really the sort of the, the most beloved uh, flashcore albums. I haven't really gone super deep into that, that particular genre. Um, so this is sort of, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like amazingly into it, but I, I mean, I love, I love Quebras. I love uh, Xenopticon and stuff like that. I, I think yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. fantastic. And yeah, I think this really takes that sort of compositional idea and applies it to a sound palette, a, an aesthetic that also really appeals to me. So it's almost like, two kind of very disparate worlds that I absolutely love of electronic music and just like merging in the most brain melting way. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I think I'm going to stop ranting now because <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I could talk about this record for a very long time, I think. And I think, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's fair nice conclusion. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. Um, I think that's a, that's a good place to wrap up. I think that's about yeah, all we've got time no. for. 
I, I don't. Um, yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did run over a bit there, but I, I did just really want to, really want to talk about some of the records we, we, we had today. I think they're all really, really good. I think the the quality of albums that have come out over the last two weeks has been incredible. <laughs> it's been almost yeah, a bit I, overwhelming. I, I didn't even agree. like. I didn't even get to um, uh, most of yesterday's releases. I didn't get to the Mac Homie. I didn't get to the Asic Trillium. Like, there's so much. There's so much coming out. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot, a, <laughs> a lot coming out recently. And um, you know, it's I don't know the, the whole point. The reason, the reason we started this podcast was to get passionate about music. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly why we're here. <laughs> um, right, just just to wrap up, um, if you enjoyed this episode, please um, check out our Twitter and Instagram page. I haven't posted anything on Instagram yet, but I'm about to. Um, so our Twitter account is at modulat underscore io um it's m-o-d-u-l-a-t underscore io and uh, instagram is exactly the same um, we've also got a website where we uh, will have sort of links to various uh, articles we might have mentioned or interesting things that we've talked about um or just the albums themselves if there's a particular album you want to you know you, you sort of didn't quite hear us pronounced properly um, then uh, check out the website and uh, there should be some information on that uh, and the website address is uh, modulat.io um, so that's m-o-d-u-l-a-t dot i-o uh, that is about everything is there anything you want to you want to throw out there before we finish up no nothing else to add really um, yeah Fantastic. thanks for listening <laughs> yeah thanks for listening <laughs>